This is Season 3 of The Score, the Team Roping Journal's regular podcast where the team roping world talks. We've told the stories of some of the greatest cowboys, horses, and moments in the sport, and we're so far from done. In 2020, we'll bring you more of what you've come to expect, like interviews with the best cowboys and cowgirls we know, and we'll dive even deeper into subjects you care about. Look for more audio editions of the Team Roping Journal stories you might have missed in print, and learn about the great horses shaping the sport and great challenges facing our industry. All this and more in 2020. I'm Chelsea Schaefer. Before we get started on today's episode, it is brought to you by Patrick Smith's Great Horse WSR. He's a Donovalina, a.k.a. Rooster. You can check out RaisingRoosters.com for more information, and I'll tell you more about it at the commercial break. Nick Sartain is roping's miracle man. He won a world title way back in 2009 when he roped with Colin Vonon, and he's made it to Rodeo's Big Show now six times. He's got over $1.1 million in pro rodeo earnings, but lately Nick has made a huge splash at the Ariat World Series of Team Roping finale on the heel side. He cut his thumb off and started healing to get his rope handling back up to par, but in the meantime, he won $282,000 in the 12.5 finale in 2018 and $127,000 in the 13.5 finale. Then in 2019, Nick came back and won second in the 14.5 for another $136,000. Now he's back on the rodeo trail, and he's confident in his renewed ability to reach. And I'm glad he's okay, because he's been long one of the best and most honest interviews in team roping. Without further ado, here's Nick Sartain. All right, Nick. Well, hi. Welcome to The Score, which you don't even know what this is, so it's nice to welcome you to a show that you don't know anything about. Thank you. I appreciate it. (laughs) All right, we are sitting at the Denver Qualifier right now, watching some exciting bulldogging, and you just won a whole lot of money about a week ago. I I got lucky over there in Vegas again. I love that place. I want to just say right off the bat, I love the World Series and the South Point and everything they got going. I really love what they got cooking over there. I I bet you do. You have a pretty exciting track record there. Do you know what your total is of World Series finale winnings? I don't know, but it's... I've had a lot better luck there than I have across town the last few years I was over there, so I'm thankful. Mm-hmm. It's a lot, yeah. It's a lot. That's awesome. What did, um... Did it pay for you to rodeo last year? What did you What did you end up doing with the money? Well, you know, being a ro- old rodeo hand, there was some outstanding debt here and there. I had to settle up you guys all do such a wonderful job advertising when a broke cowboy wins a bunch of money <laughs> everybody came calling so i had to, some debts to square up on i did a lot of that but it's nice it's, it's awesome to be able to go somewhere and win that kind of money is wonderful so if you already paid off all your debts you get to play with the yeah this little bit here i get to keep a little bit of this maybe um so you're getting ready to rodeo this year. Who do you have, and what's your plan? Well, uh, you know, the, all my partners at the building rodeos aren't quite in stone yet. I'm gonna, I do have Buddy Hawkins at Houston. I just got that going. His guy didn't make it, so I'm excited to have him over there. And um, I'm gonna go to the buildings, and um, I've moved. I'm living down in Bandera now with my lady, and. Um, I'm about to start taking some horses. This is the time of year I take some outside horses in. And luckily now I'm down there, the weather will be nice and I'll get to 
get myself practiced up and ready for the buildings. And then, yeah, uh, my, my pal Blaine Vick and I, we're going to chase them at the rodeos. Um, he, like I say, he can't get into a handful of these building rodeos. But then after that, him and I are going to get after them. I'm excited about that. And uh, that's it. What's in your horse herd? You've had some really cool ones over the years that we wrote about your bay horse or, and the buckskin that you rode. And Buddy, of course, was pretty famous. Tell me about What's yeah. in the road now? Well, you know, Buddy T is still out kicking around. He stays he in shape. Yeah, my my uh, my little cousins, they ride him. He's teaching them how to get around and start learning to rope. They've been roping the dummy on him and stuff. So they keep him John Wayne around a little bit. And then I've got a couple. Um, I got one bay that I'm starting to get pretty excited about. I call him the Reverend. Uh, I got him from my friend Chris Littlefield, and he's an awesome little horse. Um He's got a Jesus stamps on his left hip. That's why we call him the Reverend. He's a little like bit a Jesus, ra- like a face of Jesus. No, he's got like a like Jesus fish and a and a, oh, okay. and a cross. <laughs> okay, I didn't know if it was like Jesus on the toast kind of Jesus. <laughs> no, 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 no. So yeah, that's why they they called him the Reverend before I got him. So I did figured that was a good name for him. Yeah, he's a pretty neat little horse. Uh, I've got the old little fat bay that I've been riding a few years, last few years around. Um, he's about 11, he's coming 11 now. His name's Willie, and I'm excited about him. I rode him all summer last year, and he was I was starting to get with him pretty good there towards the end of the summer and turning some good steers, so I'm excited. I got him, and uh, I got another little young one that's coming along and a couple other ones cooking, so. You, have, you feel like you're good in the horsepower? Yeah, I'm getting closer all the time. I mean, I, I'm kind of cautious to ever get too cocky or too confident about my horse herd because one can get sick and you can stab one's foot the wrong way, and then all of a sudden one's got an abscess and you don't have you're down to your practice horse in mm-hmm. two or three days. So I, I'm always real cautious. But yeah, I've got I've got a better set than what I've had in a lot of years. So I'm I'm good with them. Now remind me. One of the things we almost always talk about on this podcast is how somebody grew up. And, you know, Tate, we just talked to Tate Kirkenschlager a little bit ago, and he was telling me how his parents always had every horse saddled, ready to go. That wasn't the case for you, right? Well, no. My crew was pretty excited about me roping. My crew, um, my grandmother was my biggest influence growing up. My my dad is a horse show guy, but he shows halter horses. Halter horses. I knew yeah, so, the show. I so I try that. to stay away from there because... All they wanted you to do is clean stalls and they'd hand you some wild little thing that was crazy to try to get it gentled down. I tried to steer clear there. But my grandmother, she rode and rode outside horses for folks and stuff, trained horses. And she always rode apps and paints and stuff like that. But that's what got me riding the apps right off was mm-hmm. because that's what that's what she gave me to rope on. She She was unconventional. She was real supportive of my roping, but... She wouldn't, she wouldn't go buy me a finished horse when I wanted to start roping. Like if you really want to learn how, you're gonna, you're gonna learn how to do the whole part of it, you know. So I started on a green horse when I was about ten or eleven, mm-hmm. and it was a, well, a shit show really is what it was. It was an app. And it was yeah, she had, it was two apps that she had had that she she team pinned and they like messed around with some app cutters and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So she had already had them where they'd cow and stuff like that, but they didn't hadn't been roped on or anything. So I'd try to figure out how to get them where you could rope on them, <laughs> swing a rope. And this was before, you know, everybody had a machine to pull and stuff like that. So I got a lead steer and 
chased him through the fence and everything else, you know, <laughs> what a disaster it could be. Little old kid on two out mares trying to learn how to get them where he could rope on them. But that's how I started. But I mean, I really wanted to rope. Mm-hmm. And so I was only child, so that's, I just, behind the dummy, on the horses, messing with them all the time. They'd come out there and, hey, come in, it's time, you know, too cold, whatever. Yeah, I, I was real persistent about it. Now, did um, apps are making a resurgence? Have you seen? <laughs> yeah, I got one the other day. I got one I'm fixing to start riding. It's, really? Yeah, another one. It's a spotted one. <clears throat> it's pretty funny. Spotted, like, leopard app, blanketed app? Blanketed, yeah, blanketed. yellow with a blanket, yeah. Oh, Maybe okay. not quite big enough to head on, but, yeah, looks a lot like the one I used to have. It comes from my neighbor, Donna Canada, which is... Mm-hmm. Uh, Cody Canada, the cross Canadian singer. Yeah. Her, her, that, that, her, his folks are my neighbors, and her, her and my grandmother, they would go around and team pin together and all this. They're <laughs> friends, so, so, uh, it's one they've conjured up for me to ride. They've already showed it in the cow horse and the stuff in the uh-huh. app, and it's done well. So, so is it an app that's bred like an app, or is it a quarter it's horse? A, yeah, not? it's a quarter horse with app papers, but it looks like an app actually. Mm-hmm. So it'll be kind of fun. It'll, it'll get. You know, everybody always still talks about the app mare I rode, you know, so mm-hmm. it'll be pretty funny anyway. Yeah, TG's app was the number, that story that we did about it was the number one story on our website last year. I mean, That's people pretty awesome. love the apps. I think it's an emerging market at this point. <laughs> I don't I don't know about that, but I, I hope it is because it's... Because <laughs> you know where to get your hands on some? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, there are some really good bred apps. I've had a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Um I had a lot of solo, solid colored ones that people really didn't know were. But there's good horses in paints, apps. I mean, Heck yeah. it just depends on, you know, who's had them and what they've done with them. Yeah, I don't. I was raised, we bred apps too when I, where I grew up. So, for sure, lots of solid colored ones. Now, we, I've made you talk about this a few times, but we've never talked about it on the podcast. And we have a whole different audience on the podcast. Okay. So, you know, I'm going to ask you about your thumb. So, step by step, how did it? Happen. How was the cutoff? How did it happen? Well, I don't know. The best I can remember it, we were at Hastings, Nebraska at the rodeo, Gage Williams and I. Uh, we got a steer, don't really know anything about him hardly. Rodeo's not too tough. He steps out of the chute, takes off directly left, going at a pretty good clip. I reach a coil and a half, you know. I got a coil left in my left hand, I know this much. And I hook him, I get him around the head, around the horns, I start to the da- to dally, and as I do, I I'm trying to kick to get out in front of him because I got it on him right out front there to probably win something. But he's going left, and I'm trying to keep my horse moving and Mm -hmm. get ahead of him. And I've got my first half of my dally on, and about that time he stops. And I'm thinking I got it on here, but I don't. what what I didn't account for, I had about a half a dally, and I stacked the rest of that dally on and went to put another on. Mm -hmm. But what I – and about that time I hit him. But what I didn't realize is he was great big steer. <clears throat> and he was so big that it just jerked my rope. I, I didn't have a, my dally wasn't tight, and it just jerked my rope right through my hand. And mm-hmm. it, the coil I had left came right down on the saddle horn, jerked both hands in there at one time. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, I knew right when I pulled my hand out of there, I knew I'd got it. When I, when I pulled it up, I seen the bone sticking up. And I just ah. grabbed a hold of it with the other hand and started praying that I didn't panty waist out and pass out on my horse in the arena in Hastings. So did you have a game plan before you cut your thumb off? Like if did you know that if you cut your thumb off what you would do? 
No, I I never really. I just always try to live in a little bubble of wonderfulness, you know, and hope <laughs> bad things just don't happen. Yeah. But yeah, no, I really wasn't prepared for it when it happened. You know, I I just knew I some friends of mine had cut their thumb off, and I knew they were gun shy to dally some and stuff like that. So I knew there was going to be a period there where mm-hmm. I wasn't going to be much good as a pro rodeo header, you know. But they could. So, but at that, right there in that spot, mm-hmm. I had it was after the ERA deal, and I, yeah. I had, I, I hadn't gotten back in my groove from that. I, I was just starting to get catch up that year in seventeen to where I was going to get back in the buildings maybe, and then that happened, and it was, I was kind of sour anyway. Mm-hmm. So, and I didn't have a lot of horses to ride. So, you know, it, it was probably a blessing in disguise. Now looking back, because it was like, hey, this sucks for you, but. You were starting to get to be bellyachy and sour about it and wasn't enjoying it anyway, so is this really what you want to do or not? And then after, as soon as I did it, then it was just like, well, hell, now I can't do what I want to do every day. This pisses me off. So then it was just immediately it lit the fire back in me to, you know, now that I look at it different now. I was starting to look at it as it was just a job, and now after I didn't get to do it for a little while, then it's a privilege again. You know, it's, oh, man, I'm... When I was a little kid and I dreamed of being a professional roper, I'm doing it. Don't be whiny. Get your ass to work and, you know, yeah. get it done. So it's now it's lit a fire in me again, which luckily, so it'll keep me after it a little more maybe. When Patrick Smith bought WSR, he's a Donovalina. Anyone who cares about breeding, raising, training, and riding great horses took notice. After all, that Dunn's Italian rooster was really the stuff of legends. Raised and trained by world champion Randon Adams, Rooster played the role of backup horse to the legendary Horse of the Year, Diesel, for most of his career. But when Patrick Smith needed that replacement for his world champion mount and former Horse of the Year, Amigo, Rooster was where he turned. The good-boned, hard-stopping stud had made clutch pro-rodeo appearances under guys like Dakota Kirkenschlager, Russell Cardoza, and Cesar De La Cruz, and he showed up at the NFR when De La Cruz needed him most. In the short time that Smith has owned him, the Stallion's earnings have jumped well over 300000 winning 35000 at the Bob Feist alone in 2019. Patrick bought him because he was a great one, and now he's standing him to the public for just $1,800 in 2020. The horse is by the Adams' iconic producer, He's a Son of a Dun, out of Paulina, a daughter of the great Dacalina. Crossed on running bread mares, that bloodline produced the great transmission who Jay Adams won Salinas on and who continues to turn heads under Colorado's J.B. James. And Rooster's offspring are already winning at the rope horse maturities under guys like NFR qualifier Cole Davidson. If you're serious about breeding to a stallion that's going to change the game, producing offspring that are meant to win in the roping arena, then Rooster needs to be your first choice. He's had a 100% catch rate on the mares that he bred in 2019, and his books are now open for 2020. It's easy. All you have to do is check out RaisingRoosters.com for more and call 432-201-3080 for contracts. That's 432-201-3080 for contracts, and you can have a part of the great Raising Rooster program. The ERA year. That was not what anybody expected it to be as far as how that went how did that affect 
you know, the year after for you? And how did that affect how you felt about rodeo? Well, I was just like, so I, I was a little bit sour because then mm-hmm. I, I'd made the finals for three years there and we were doing well. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden it's just like, oh, now I'm on the outside. I got to start all over. Yeah. And that kind of, well, gee, you know, that kind of sucks. But I was, you know, like I said, I was rodeoing and going around a little bit and trying to get myself back in the mix. But then about that time, yeah. this, I cut my thumb off and it was just like, hey, you know, don't be whiny. You know, you were. You got a chance to go rodeo amongst what they was calling the best deal, whatever. Mm-hmm. It took 10 or 12 guys. You know, there's a lot of positive that come out of that stuff, too. Shouldn't all be negative. And this, you know, mm-hmm. cutting my thumb off just made me kind of change my perspective and look at things a little bit different instead of, oh, well, you know, now I got to start all over and be whiny about the position I was in. You yeah. know, it just made me look at things different. What, um. For the better. Yeah. What magic did you and Colin have that you haven't necessarily found again? Colin and I, first of all, he's awesome. He ropes. He's a better horseman, a better roper than 90% of the people that walk around. So, they're, I mean, for starters, I had one of the best guys. Mm-hmm. And then, two, he has a work ethic that is conducive to make you do good and when him and I were roping together, I was still young enough then. I was, you know, just 30, you know, right in there. Mm-hmm. I was still really craving it, and I was willing to put in the work with him. And him and I, plain old outworked him is what, I mean, that's what I call it. Mm-hmm. We studied tapes of the finals. We sat and we watched them, and we broke down why that didn't win, why that guy's horse is better, because his pulls up the wall. This, this, You know, we broke down every aspect of what it was going to take when we got in there to do our business and then we went out there and we practiced at it at his house every day and we put in the time and the effort and I had just barely enough horses and just barely enough talent and he had plenty of horses and talent and together with the work that we put in and then we went out there to the finals and some of them other poor fellas their misfortune turned into our good fortune but we went out there and we were ready to make 10 good runs and we did that and mm-hmm. and, that, and that year it worked. And that was, I mean, that, but the magic of it was in the, to me, was in the work ethic. Mm-hmm. We I, were both in a spot where, you know, it, we were all in. It was, there was nothing we were going to do but work to be the best we could be at it. And, and we were good pals, and it just, it was going to do, we were going to do good. It was just how good was, did we draw and how good were we going to do, you know. Yeah. We knew, there's something about it when you get you, when you get a guy that, you know, ropes, as good as you do, and you guys know, feel like you're confident on on top of your game, and you got some good horses, and like where we were at right there, and and then you start putting in that work ethic, and you put in that sweat. There's a confidence that is given back to you, you know, or to me it is. Yeah. And no different than when I roped with Rich, him and I roped together three years. We made the finals three times. Mm-hmm. Hard to do. I mean, yeah. hard to do. But we put in the time and we put in the effort. We were practiced up, had good horses, and. I draw off that. If I have a partner that I've been practicing with and working and I can see in the practice pin our run is good, our horses are good, I get that confidence. You take that to town. As long as you don't draw turds everywhere you go, you're going to win. I mean, but that practice breeds confidence for me. Mm -hmm. And I think for for Colin and I, that was for sure the The main and biggest ingredient for me. With um, you and Blaine, what's your plan as far as getting it together this summer? Well, I, I'm excited. 
you know, he's closer to me down there. He lives up, you know, south of Stephenville at Dublin. So we'll be able to get the rope a little bit and get practiced up hopefully this spring. I'll move my circuit to down there since I'm living down there. And so, you know, if we do good at some of the better rodeos down there, we'll have a chance for that. But I'm just excited that, you know, kind of both on the same page now. We'll go to some stuff more down that direction. And, and uh, I'm excited. I think he ropes good. We're, we're buds. We get along good. That's a lot of it. you got to be able to have somebody that you can travel with. And, you know, it's not always going to just be, you know, <laughs> most wonderful time rodeo. And sometimes <laughs> you're going to drive 10 hours and draw a crapper and drive 12 to get somewhere else, and <clears throat> it's going to rain, and, and, and the wind's going to blow 40, and you're just going to miss. And it's just <laughs> sometimes it's just not that great glamorous. And not that much fun, but if you got somebody that you know is on the same page and you get along with, then you can ease around and do some good. Are you going to California and like doing the hard the hard rodeoing? I don't know about that. Um, I'll have to see where he's at. I think he's got a little one maybe due here in January, the first part of January. So you know, he may not want to venture out west for a month. We might stay around, and do some stuff around here in the spring this time, but. Well, sure, you know, I'll sure saddle up and be ready to go for Reno and all over the summer and stuff. As far as outside horses go, what's your program with outside horses? Do you have, like, a bunch of pasture to ride? Do you have, or are you doing all in arena kind of stuff? <laughs> you know, um, when I lived up there in Dover in Oklahoma, we lived around there and we had a, lot, a friend of mine, uh, Cody Vince and I, we had cattle on wheat some ground he had a lot of stuff leased and so i it was sand hills and stuff i had a nice place to go out and ride them outside down there where i'm at now at morgan she has a ranch down there it's pretty rocky i do ride them outside a little bit but i don't i'm not able to go out and rope something you know a lot outside on them but um so now it's more a lot more just in the arena i don't get to ride them outside as much but it uh it, it affects a little bit but if you you know, there's other ways you can still get the same thing done. You just, I've got a kid that helps me now, so i got somebody else to help me ride and keep the edge off of them a little bit more. Walker with panels, you know, you can spend, keep them saddled and keep the edge off of them a little bit that way. So there's other stuff. And I still do go outside with some friends here and there and go spend a few days outside when I need to. There's some of those that just sure need that time to do something else besides, you know, give them some pressure doing something else, mm -hmm. you know, besides in the arena in the box. What are you, you've already got to go buckle. What are your long-term goals, Rodeo, in the next 10 years? You know, I'd like to go back out there to the finals a couple times. Um, the last couple times I got to make the finals, I didn't rope as good as what I wanted to. So it's kind of left a little burr in me just because I, I want to go back out there kick the shit right out of them a couple more times you know but really do a nice job yeah. like I know I can do and I didn't get it done the last couple times and I I wanted to desperately because I was roping with Skelton I wanted to you know do the best I could do for him but I want to go back out there and do a good job you know end on a nice note but you know I don't have any I don't I haven't set a time that oh you know I'm going to quit at this time mm -hmm. I don't you know, I feel like I haven't rodeoed the last few years, so 
I got a couple more extra years in me, you know. Yeah, so, like a red-shirted freshman. Yeah, kind of whatever. <laughs> but, you know, I don't – Yeah. I don't really – I don't know how much longer it will be. I know I, – I'll give it a couple more years for sure, and then I'll have to see, you know, how I feel about it. I, the travel is what's going to make me stop. I like being at home. You know, I like spending time with my gal, with my family. So, you know, you know, there's kids around there that come and rope that I – want to spend time with them and help them get better and you know riding young horses I love spending time with them younger horses and seeing them get better and uh, you know that's what I've leaned to more now I like to rope I enjoy actually roping steers and rodeo and you sit in the truck and you don't you don't really get to rope very much so I'm really looking forward to kind of getting done rodeoing but at the same time it pays better now than it ever has and you know if you're going to stay sharp enough and you're going to rope every day riding horses you know, what's it going to take to keep a couple rodeo horses legged up and go put your name down for a couple months in the summer and see how you do, you know? So I don't know. We'll just have to see. I guess when the time comes, I'll quit doing it. But for now, I'm, you know, everybody's been giving me a hard time about it because since I've been going out there and healing and doing good, and, you know, my, my mom even, she's kind of, you know, hey, why, why are you bothering with that rodeo? And you've already, you know, licked them doing that. Why don't you? Stay home and ride some horses and, you know, just go do your World Series deal. It's like, yeah, well, it's, I know, but it's it's still fun to try to, you know, beat the best guys. Yeah. So, I don't know. We'll, we'll see, I guess. One of these days, if you just keep doing the World Series deal over and over again, they're not going to let you be an eight for very much longer. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Maybe so. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? All right. Well, thank you so much, Nick. I'm you excited that... You're back out. We've missed you terribly. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad to be back out amongst them anyway. <laughs> Good. All right. Thanks, Nick. Before we go, we've got to remind you, this episode was sponsored by Patrick Smith and WSR. He's a Dunn of Alina, known as Rooster. Rooster is standing in 2020 for $1,800. That's a smoking deal when you're talking about creating some of the greatest rope horses in the sport. So check him out at RaisingRoosters.com and call 432-201-3080 for your contracts.